What's up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to our mid-season episode of season two of Beats, Brews, and Buddies. I'm your host, Travis Schmidt. This is Jeremy Price. On our beat today, or what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about what it's like being an opera singer and helping run Opera Roanoke with our buddy, Brooke Tolley. Give it up for Brooke Tolley, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, y'all. Hey, there, Brooke. I'm amazing. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that you're here. Um, Thanks for coming. This is this is exciting. We had a little fun pre-show. Had a little fajitas. And what are we drinking with those fajitas there, Jeremy? Price? I mean, what would you have with a fajita? Any guesses? Um, it rhymes with fajita. Margarita. It's a margarita. <laughs> and for those that don't know, a margarita is a cocktail consisting of tequila, triple sec, and lime juice. Some margarita recipes include simple syrup as well and are often served with salt on the rim of oh. the glass. I'm not done. You gave me this whole I thing. Did, did it. Margaritas can either be served shaken with ice on the rocks, without ice, straight up, or blended with ice, frozen margarita. <laughs> <laughs> Most bars serve margaritas in a stepped diameter variant of a cocktail. Steeped. 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 I, that's not what I... Uh, steeped diameter variant of a cocktail glass or champagne coupe. Called the margarita glass. <laughs> coupe. Called the margarita glass. The margarita is one of the world's most popular cocktails and the most popular tequila-based to- cocktail. Hey, um, tequila has... <laughs> Has inulin and it's a probiotic, my friends. There you go. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Um, so Brooke Tolly is a native of Roanoke, Virginia, and holds a Bachelor's of Arts in Vocal Performance from Liberty University and a Master of Arts in Voice from Radford. Oh, I didn't know you went to Radford. And I've read this like twice. <laughs> I was like, oh, she went to Radford, too. You learn something new every time. Um, here, here's the tricky part. Brooks' opera roles include many, and I uh, we discussed pre-show that I should not read them all. But she was jo- <laughs> <laughs> Joanna from Sweeney Todd, uh, the Queen of the Night in the Magic Flute. Uh, is it La- Latita? Latita from the, uh, the Letitia. Old Letitia. See, I messed up. I knew I was going to mess it up. Letitia from the Old Maid and the Thief. And Lucy, and then uh, and that's from the telephone. <laughs> I'm not gonna even try to Minotoli's, I think that is. As a concert soloist, Brooke has performed in uh, Handel's Messiah and then uh, many, many others. <laughs> but I wanted to say that you uh, premiered at the Lincoln Center with um, A Journey with the Shepherd, and that's Chaplin. I did, yes. Oh my gosh. So as an experienced voice teacher, she has maintained a private voice studio for students across Roanoke Valley since 2012, has taught lessons at Opera Roanoke, uh, the Jefferson Center's Music Lab, and Hollins University. She was a participant in leadership uh, Roanoke Valley's class of 2019 and was chosen as one of only three opera administrators across the country to attend the Hart Institute for Women Opera Conductors and Administrators at the Dallas Opera in 2018. 
Brooke was appointed general director of Opera Roanoke in 2019 and was chosen by the Roanoke magazine as one of Roanoke's 40 under 40 in 2021. I think that's a really cool My thing. My highest accomplishment. I think that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> 40 under 40. And um, she is passionate about connecting audiences of all ages with opera in both traditional and non-traditional venues and believes that opera should be accessible to all. So again, welcome, Brooke. Thanks for coming. That is beautiful. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Even though I like didn't go through all of the the names of who she was in these shows, but it sounds really awesome. Hey, I want to I want to jump in already. Do it. Do you, um, <laughs> That's why you're my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> like so, no, I these that was a uh, an amazing bio, and I don't know you. Um, I feel like I should know you, and I'm, but I, that's one of my favorite things about this is meeting people in Roanoke that are quite accomplished and and very passionate about what they do. Um, I, I I'm just happy to see somebody else. It's just yet another person yeah. that I really wasn't familiar with, um, and I have the this this suspicion that you take your work very seriously but you don't take yourself extremely seriously am i right <laughs> because and, and the reason i'm asking is because i i'm the i'm that that very way yes that is how i am because you're already laughing at some of these, these this great stuff that, that travis is talking and, and and um you know i identify with that and i feel kindred in a way so i wanted to just like call it out before we got started i think that opera gets a bad rap a lot and you know i'm from roanoke virginia so you know i'm not from new york city or san francisco or anywhere in europe where opera is really you know considered this exclusive thing and i've yeah. never viewed it that way and so i think it's important for other people to see me as a normal human being. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't take myself seriously. No. <laughs> There's this rich, beautiful history with opera, right? Yeah. And, and so th that's where I think people need to start is like understanding the history before you go and listen to it because I think there's once you understand the history a little bit you can appreciate it a little bit more. Um, and maybe I'm wrong but no. I know that's where I started. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, it's always helpful when you're trying something new if you, I don't know, Google it first. <laughs> That's what we did with the definition of margaritas today. I didn't do that. It's a great margarita, right? And now I know that it contains a probiotic so I can drink more of them and not feel bad about it. Absolutely. But I mean, you know, I think it's that same way with opera. People are really standoffish because they think, oh, I don't know anything about it or I don't understand foreign language or um, there's all of these sort of misconceptions about the art form anyway. So, you know... You would treat it like any other new thing that you were trying. Just we fear what we don't understand. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, I completely get that. So, yeah, I let's start there. Let's talk about your history here in Roanoke. You're a fellow North Side Viking like I am. You're actually graduated with my wife, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> so, That's how I got on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Victoria was like, you need to bring book. And I was like, I do. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fellow Viking. Yes. Graduated in two. Uh, gotcha. 
<laughs> I graduated the same year. Yeah. yeah I'm 10 yeah. years older. No, I mean, you know what? I always joke with my husband that high school is actually one of my favorite times in life. I don't know if I just got really serious after high school and started, you know, I was always, you know, working on my music and practicing all the time. So I never, Boo. I know, right. who does that? Uh, so I <laughs> felt like, you know, high school was a great time for me and I, I loved every bit of it. I had tons of friends and I loved going out I had no cares in the world and doesn't get better than that. It's called nostalgia for a reason, right? That's right. Yeah. That's where I live most of the time. Back in high school, yes. the best days of my life. Oh, man. All right, mm. so high school, and then we went to college, right? Yep, I went to Liberty and got my undergraduate degree in vocal performance, and then I went the complete opposite direction and went to Radford University and got my master's degree. So what made you go do the master's immediate was it immediate it was immediate yeah i mean that that's sort of the singer journey is that well the classical singer journey i guess as okay. you go you get your bachelor's degree and then um most people immediately go into their master's degree or like a what we call a professional artist certificate um and then even after that, um, which I'm sure you guys can understand, you still know nothing about the music business whatsoever. <laughs> uh, so a lot of times in opera, um, singers will do what we call young artist programs. Um, just at diff It's usually at professional opera companies, and you're, you work with them as a young artist to sort of expand your knowledge of the art form, of course, but also just learn how to work within the industry and the business. And it's because that they don't teach you that. <laughs> they uh, might teach you how to sing, but they, yeah. <laughs> they don't teach you about the business. Isn't that, isn't that strange? Like we, we, uh, I'm repeating myself. I'm sure for our listeners that listen all the time, it's just like, it's something we talk about all the time. And like the younger ones that are 18, uh, getting ready to graduate high school or the social norm of like, you have to go to college, you have to figure this out. And then the ones of us that do, like some of us don't always use what we, we, the information that we gathered in college and, and feel somewhat unprepared but the the moral is is there's always this grind of having to learn and and to push yourself through it and um it's nice to hear even even that you, we we're all kind of the same in a, in a sense yeah i mean music is to me is um what i like to call a lifetime sport like <laughs> tennis or golf <laughs> um well you're always learning you're never gonna be yeah. you know no matter what genre you are working in there are always ways that you can get better and improve. You'll never be like, okay, I'm good. I'm perfect. <laughs> I don't need to do any more learning. And so that, you know, and I think that's really apparent in classical music just because it's so disciplined. Um, it's a very creative art form, but also you, you know, there's some structure to it. So there are some things you have to, to master in order to excel in the business and then but it's just like any other music genre it's incredibly competitive and difficult to be a part of and you have to really love it with every sense of your being I think and want to be learning all the time um, or otherwise as many teachers will have said to me then just do something else if you're not ready to put like a thousand percent into it because that's really what it takes mm -hmm. then you should just do something else yeah hey hey 
kind of at a loss with words with where to even <laughs> I'm so poetic though. No, I mean I don't know what to say to that because you're not you're not wrong. I mean I can see Well you can't be bullshitting. You can't be bullshitting. That's where that's what I'm looking for. No, you, can't. you really want to go somewhere with music. We talk about it all the time. You can't be bullshitting. Yeah. And so, even it, it takes every part of your yeah. being to be in the music business for sure. it, it's hard for uh, parents who are not so approving to actually see that and until you until something cracks till something breaks till you go somewhere and it looks a little more legitimate and they're like well no you can practice more or push harder and um yeah well, it's it's a, it's it's a it's a very should i say dubious pursuit like it's hard to make it yeah and i think um the people who are outside of it are looking at it in a different way and they don't they don't know they really do not understand the amount of effort and work it takes and you know I was really lucky that both of my parents from a very early age were very much encouraging me to pursue this um but also I come from a family that's not musical so for them it it was sort of this like well just go be a famous opera singer. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Just do it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, not understanding that it takes so much more than that. I mean, you know, you're working on it your entire life basically. No. And, and I like to hear that you, you're still working on it and you're still young and, <laughs> and, and do Thank it. You. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, all right. After college, you're still here in Red Oak. Uh, well, I traveled around for a bit and did some young artist programs at different companies, um, you know, spent a lot of time on the audition circuit and, you know, performing at various companies. And then, you know, one thing, I think one thing they don't talk about a lot in the business is how expensive it is to do. <laughs> I was going to ask if you had to pay to do those things or did you get paid? So to? you pay a, a lot of times you pay like for the audition. Okay. And, and, and it kind of just depends. I mean, but e- even if you don't pay for the audition, I've got to pay for a flight to New York. I've got to pay for a hotel. Oh. I've got to pay, you know, while you're doing no, that 100%. stuff. Um, and then you just hope that you get hired so then they pay you. You know, I, I'm a little upset that, that we've never even talked about that part. Like the, no. the folks that have the gumption, they muster the gumption to leave here and go do something. You do pay for your own travel. You, and you might do that. 40, 50 times before you oh, land yeah. something. And, and well, even we never when you, mentioned it. You know, even when you land something, you've got to land something again, right? Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's not... It's only for a period of time. So yeah. Like, um, it's not... <laughs> I wish it was just this, like, avalanche that rolled downhill, but it, it's not like that. Sure. I mean, it's like you get one little break in the business and then you go, okay, that's enough to keep going. Mm -hmm. And then you wait another year and then you get another break in the business. And that's what, you know, your dog is getting angry. Somebody's home. (laughs) He he understands how expensive and terrible it is too. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He gets it. No more auditions, Alfred. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, again, we haven't talked about it. And how many times can, did you do that? Oh gosh, like countless times. I mean, countless times. I and I still audition now, um, but most of my work is just based locally now because I wanted. After I spent a lot of time in the audition circuit and you know performing here and there, I needed. I'm the type of person that needs stability in my life, and so I'm actually not the type of artist that is willing to live on the road for you know nine months of the year that's just not 
me and it's not my personality. Um, and so a lot of my work now is based here locally. And so, you know, I feel very lucky that I have a job that allows me to do both of those things. Yeah. That's very rare. Mm. <laughs> so excuse my ignorance and I, I guess excuse the audience ignorance too, but because <laughs> I, I know it's not just me. But Did you just called every every listener, ignorant. every every one of you, ignorant with with love, um, ignorant. But this is this is a whole different new genre of I, music. I it, no, I know you are. I know, <laughs> but I'm defending myself. <laughs> I'm not attacking you. I know you're not. Uh, so, um, is it like theater work? Opera being an opera singer, is it is it like every few weeks that you you're playing a show for like four weeks? No. Okay. Uh, I mean, well, there are similarities, but like a lot of times with opera performances, the company, they're very, very expensive to put on. And so the company where in theater you have like four weeks of performances, you know, and you're doing it four or five times a week. Yeah. Generally at opera companies, they do it two to three times tops um, because it's just so expensive to pay, you know, you're paying the way the orchestra is paid is different things like that yeah. so it's not exactly like theater where you would get into a show and have this long running thing um it's like gig and then you got to find another gig <laughs> and you got to find another gig and those gigs generally last you know you're in rehearsal for like two weeks and then you put it all together and put it you know and you perform it on the stage but how many times would you perform if you're rehearsing for two weeks and then performing, is it one just, week? Couple just of twice, two times. So you're actually getting, <laughs> you're actually uh, bringing in revenue uh, for rehearsal. Yeah, more I mean, than the actual performance. Right. So a singer is generally paid kind of like how with how much time they're committing um, to the gig, sure. and then also I think the other thing that you're sort of paid on to is the amount of preparation that you do before you get to the rehearsal process. So that's one thing about opera that's a little bit different is that you come to the first rehearsal knowing your full role memorized. Um, Whereas sometimes in theater, you work on that music as part of the rehearsal process. There are changes, there's cuts. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's a little bit different to opera. So sure. you spend months preparing the role that you need to do, show up and have a two-week staging process, and then you know move into the theater, put it together in there, and do it. Do it. And just to be clear, you're saying you're compensated for that sometimes? <laughs> Are singers compensated really well? No, 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 no. no, no that's not what I said. <laughs> Are you compensated for that, that pre... Well, it's not pre-preparation. It's actually preparation yeah i mean so um you know one of my one of one of the aspects of my job at the opera is actually issuing contracts to other singers um so we're always taking into account like you know how big the role is if it's new to them or if they've performed it you know 50 other times um if they're going to have to learn something that's extremely difficult, then you know they might get paid a little bit more so it kind of just depends on you know where who the singer is and, and, and what, what they're show doing, you're doing and how yeah. much experience they have like everything mm-hmm. else but at least it's taken into consideration yes yeah yeah there are a lot of times on the musical front and the theatrical front where you have to bust your butt before you get there to even prove yourself and that's on you not all of it but there are significant amount of time yeah I, w- I would agree with that i i just finished up several runs with mill mountain theater and i i worked harder here than i did there yeah know? and and so yeah, it's a lot of, I think, 
you know, so much about singing is it never, it never stops. It never stops. You're always learning something, whether you've got something immediate the next week or you've got something six months away. Mm. I think it requires, you know, you're just constantly practicing and learning. Well, why don't you, why don't we start this? Why don't why don't you define opera for for our, our and what it means to you for for our listeners? Oh my gosh, you would start with that question. Um, well, <laughs> what we're, is we're the twenty minutes in. Opera he genre. wants you to tell him exactly what opera. Well, is. you know, a lot of people equate opera with with classical music. Yes. Um, generally, it is because those are the most well known, but operas are still being written today. Like we just did an opera at Opera Roanoke that was written in 2007. So um, to me, opera is very much about virtuosic singing. Um, It's very, it's rigorous. It's disciplined. It's, you know, takes every part of your body to sing that way. And we sing unamplified. Um, And then it's also just about storytelling. So everybody, you know, I think one of the uh, perceptions about opera is that it's really dramatic. That is true. <laughs> That's well, actually true. That, that was my definition in my head was dramatic singing with with a very. It's to me, it's a very distinct voice. That with it, and it. And again, that's my own ignorance and, and, and what I what little I know, and so uh, I'm trying to expose that and help you expose that for this valley because I, that when I when I booked you I. I, I thought, how many people know that there's an actual opera Roanoke around here? Mm. And I think that's... It's legit. It's legit. And I think it's really, really cool that we have yet another genre to of for for people to come and be in this valley and, and to share. Yeah, it's not common for a community of our size to have an opera company. Um, I think we're really, really lucky here to have that. Um, and we have been... We're getting ready to start our 48th season. So we have, we've Dang. been, you know, almost 50 years in business. And so, and yeah, I run into people all of the Seriously? time. It's awesome. That go, I've never, what? We have an opera company here? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that that's less to do with opera and more to do with Roanoke as sure. a, um, you know, one thing I've noticed growing up here and kind of seeing it involve a change is that it seems very siloed a lot. So depending on what neighborhood you're in defines what things you know about. Um, and so I don't, I don't think it has much to, as much to do with the genre because I run into people too that are like, Oh, I didn't know we had a ballet or, Oh, I didn't know we had mm-hmm. a theater company. Yeah. Um, RBT. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, we have more than one. I knew that but didn't know that i knew that do you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. yes yeah. and you go oh yeah oh two and two equals all right <laughs> um but you know i i again i think that's less to do with the genre and more just the way that you know the way that people consume information yeah mm-hmm. and in I, I actually kind of uh had this conversation with tyler gotzi who runs five points music sanctuary it was like i've lived here all my life and i just don't know about things because i feel like they're I just don't get fed that information through through a certain platform. So it used to be TV and the news, you know, growing up watching, you know, 
whatever news channel we watched growing up and like not seeing these arts and music and these ballets and these dance and all these wonderful things being promoted in a sense and like i didn't know about it and then you know la- our last guests were festival in the park guys and they were like uh this is kind of our first platform after 53 years to really kind of sit here and tell our story and yeah. we, we got schooled yeah <laughs> like, we were, we were we legitimately schooled. educated yeah and it's well, a good thing it right? just blows my mind that we have all these wonderful things and like we've got like two or three theater companies, Mill Mountain and um, Showtimers. Showtimers, and I know there's and there's Attic Productions yep. out in Thin Castle. So we've got all these wonderful things happening, and I just I we Jeremy and I our our mission is to just bring it all together. Yeah, I mean you co- you become very like isolated in your own mm. community, mm-hmm. I think. And so, you know, the people down in Botetourt only know the things that are happening down in Botetourt. The people in Salem know the things that are happening in Salem. Um, you know, I think most people that are in that are located in downtown Roanoke, they know about the opera because that's where we're located. Right. Um, you know, and so I think it's it's also about, you know, the way you market and and how marketing has changed so much since uh, you know, even from five or 10 years ago, it's totally different now. And so there's just so many, I think, considerations that you take into account when you're. Do you, do you guys, um, work with, uh, the symphony? Uh, yeah. So, um, we use a lot of the same players as the symphony. Uh, so we have a contractor who will contract all of our individual players for us. Um, and that works well because my mind would explode (laughs) (laughs) if I had to contract an extra 45 people. Um, yeah, it's terrible. I have trouble calling three. I swear to God, I do. I swear, I'm going to bed. I'll yeah, call so at the opera, we handle all of our singer contracts, okay. and then our orchestra personnel manager contracts all of those people. Do you want to tell the audience what you do at Opera Running? <laughs> sure. Um, I, <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, honestly, I have. I sort of have a hard time defining my job a lot because it's really different every day, and you know, it's arts focused, but it's also a nonprofit. So you have all of the nonprofit things that go into running the business. And, um, I think, yeah, get some more margarita. You're going to really loud. Sorry. Yeah, it's it so this. far away from the mic. It's so loud. <laughs> Full pour. Yeah. Um, would you like some? <laughs> <laughs> I might need some. Um, so, so I'm the general director and basically that's an opera term that's used in the industry to, I guess it, it sort of combines an executive director and an artistic. So it means somebody who is both on the administrative side and the artistic side. Um, and a lot of times it, in certain opera companies, you can have a general director or you can have an executive director and an artistic director. And so my job sort of means I'm over both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, a day for me could be like issuing artist contracts, um, writing press releases for our next shows, designing our season brochure, um, (laughs) giving voice lessons, Mm. you know, so it's, it's so many different things all the time. And especially when you run a small nonprofit, you're really in charge of every 
department. Mm-hmm. You had every department. Oh, a lot of logistics that go behind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important to expose, and you were saying it earlier, how much work that goes into all of this. And you, you're talking about the kind of formalities and running a business side of it. We're not even talking about all of the memorization and learning of the, of the music and the, the, the actual performance side. Um, but we're going to get into that. No, I, I got questions. Go ahead. I got things. No, let's continue. Uh, what, so what, point, what bullet are we on? I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even looking. Oh, you be I'm winging it talking. these days. I'm just talking. I'm just My man's talking. a host. <laughs> <laughs> I've become, I've become a host now. So now, I gotta look. <laughs> no, so I. Um, what what can we as a Roanoke Valley, um, and even us here at Beats Brews and Buddies, do to, to help you guys? Um, what do you guys need? What are you looking for? Well, I mean, you know, it's always helpful. We know that the best, and this probably goes for every music genre, but the best way to get somebody to come is by telling them about it. So, you know, by word of mouth through friends or whatever. Um, is it hard to educate people? <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here <laughs> Hell yeah. like, Travis, you don't know about opera. Yeah, you're right. So like, well, you know, one of the things when we get new people that come to the opera, they, they usually leave going like, Oh, I kind of know this is what it was. I had this idea in my mind of like, you know, the the fat ladies and the horns and the, all of that. <laughs> Which that you could get anybody from Roanoke to that show. If right. You just did that <laughs> it's a myself good show. Myself included, haters. Myself show. included. <laughs> fat ladies and horns. Let's go. And and virtuosic singing and stories. <laughs> Sold. You're there for it. Um, Continual. Well, I mean, sometimes it is that, right? Like, depending on what composer you're doing. But it's not always that, and it's actually rarely that. Um, And so people leave, and they, you know, they go, oh, wow, okay. I didn't realize that this was the thing that I was... I was not thinking of this. Um, and so they become even more interested. And just like any genre mu- music, I think people have their likes and dislikes, right? I yeah. mean, like, not everybody's going to like Mozart, you know? <laughs> Although, <laughs> stick not with that to voice. Like. Um, but, you know, we definitely have opera patrons that. <sighs> for better or worse, will come and see a Puccini opera. They'd come and see La Boheme 25 times, but they would never come to a contemporary opera. And I think, you know, that's, it's important for me to sort of share that that's how we keep the art form alive. She's cracking her knuckles because she's like ready to beat somebody up, guys. So. That crack was great. I was, <laughs> I was gonna, it was like, snap. I can I get gonna... pretty animated on this topic. Um, We're going to talk about that a little bit because, you know, uh, you can still consider that quite popular, La Boheme. And it's oh, it is popular. Sick. There's and, a reason that it's, the you know, the top five of operas. Because it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, when was that written? I'm not trying to put you on the spot in case you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a while back. A while ago, yeah. I would say within the last you years. Know, People might not years. even realize that certain classical po- composers did not compose for opera, and certain ones did, like Mozart, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely composers who never composed an opera, yeah, classical yeah, no composers. Um, and there's also composers that are like that composed opera and classical music, but maybe known for one or the other more, you know, um, 
but I just think opera is so cool because there's such a variety of stories being told and the way the music is written. Um, so, you know, there are operas being written now that combine elements of jazz and hip-hop and rock music. And, uh, you know, our general opera patrons are going, ah, gasp. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait what, what do they do? Ah, gasp. <laughs> There's the clip. <laughs> that was my dramatic opera. That was great. This, yeah. <laughs> Um, but You're doing awesome with that microphone. I know it's the microphone's giving you struggle, and sh- me and that microphone have been on the outs for a while. Yeah. So. That's why you gave it to me. Yeah. <laughs> you made me work with it. No, it's fine. Um, but you know, uh, there is an opera happening at, for the at the Met for the first time right now called Champion, and it's like. It, uh, Terrence Blanchard was the composer for that, and he's primarily known as a jazz a jazz musician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and to be doing that at the Metropolitan Opera, which is the biggest house in the United States, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think you know, um, it's just very important to me that people give new opera a try because will it sound like the opera that you're used to? No. But I think there's just there's a place for everybody in the opera audience. Just and like I said, like any other genre, you're gonna like what you like and you don't like what you don't like. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, some yeah. people like rock, but they don't like alternative or or yeah. smooth jazz or what you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just think it's so important to me that people just give it a try. I mean, you go to movies all the time that you don't know what they're about, but you Mm -hmm. go see them because you're somewhat intrigued. Um, And so I think, you know, opera deserves the same, the same consideration. Oh, you heard man. Go, go, go to the opera. Go to the opera. Now, do you guys perform uh, at at the Jefferson center mainly? Mainly at the Jefferson center. And then this past um, year, we actually started performing at the Moss center in Blacksburg. At Virginia oh, Tech. that place is awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's very innovative, and um, we love performing there. So. Yeah. Well, what blows my mind is, uh, and, I'm, and I've been thinking about it while you've been talking, is that the no microphone. I know I'm just making fun of you by playing with the microphone here, but like, no. I told no, you, opera singers no, can't use yeah, them. No, we don't know what we're doing. No amplification whatsoever, and like, that's just, that's, it's wild. Like, Well, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to jump on this topic for a second, and so I'm going to do it now. Do it. <laughs> so the way you described it. Well, you said virtuosic singing. Um, I mean, and we know this, but it, it takes a moment like this to listen to someone go, it's highly technical virtuosic singing. And then storytelling. Now, there's a, there's, there's this phrase in, in music in general, all you need is like three chords and the truth. Some people say two <laughs> chords and the truth. Comment below. No one cares. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Haven't heard that one, but... Well, but no. So when you're songwriting, people are oh, just like three chords in the truth. And that's legitimate. Uh, but, you know, it's not. We got to make sure we're in time and the harmonies kind of build up. In the There's chorus a few blah, other blah, factors blah, blah, you have blah, to blah, consider. Blah. But I think people forget about that particular aspect when it comes to opera. Because the, these are uh, complex stories. And, oh, yeah. Uh, stories that, that uh, well, in effect, they can they can challenge your sense of. I'm going to say morality, because I'm just thinking about the few operas that I know. Sweeney really- Todd, man. <laughs> he butchered those people and put them in a meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, the, you know, these, these Worse are- Worse has been done. Yeah, I'm sure. Worse has been tame. done. Um, she so said in opera. You're doing this in a highly disciplined way. And I think people overlook that. Like, it's, it's, it is a technical discipline. It's a physical discipline. 
It's an artistic discipline. It's real. So speak more to that if you like. Well, you know, I think like actually maybe coming from my teacher, my voice teacher speak, it's amazing what the voice is capable of doing. Right. And the opera definitely is the height of emotion in singing. Um, and so there's all of these different colors and tones that people can use with their voice but it takes a lot of self-discovery, a lot of practice, a lot of discipline to learn how to bring that out and do it in a way that protects your, you know, protects your instrument. Because mm -hmm. when opera singers, operas aren't short, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they, a person could be on stage singing for three hours at a time at the height of their vocal ability. And so I think that's one of the things I think is just so fascinating and amazing mm. about it right. is that it takes just so much hard work to then go on stage and act like it's nothing. Mm. And then mm. I think, mm, mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm, you better mm -hmm. give me this margarita. Right <laughs> Can you I told you I knew he was going to stir up some ish tonight. Well, I mean, you know, the best singers are on stage and they look like, they're doing nothing. And I think that is well, that's easy. the mark of a good singer right it, there. It's easy to hide behind this, the microphone, though, too. Like, uh, I know that I, I am not a trained singer, but but I love to sing and I love to do backup with my groups. But it's it's there there without any training. There is there's no knowledge. You know what I mean? And so I think I think with the background that you have, you know, it's opera singing is the uh most Whoop. vulnerable way of expressing yourself, I think, okay. because, you know, with you're right, like in other genres where you use microphones or whatever, if you're like, oh, I don't know this part that well, I'm just going to back off the mic a little bit. I it love is... it when people do that. <laughs> we see you. I, I you, do it all the time. I, do, I would do AJ's it, too. Singer, he's I would like, do, I do it, do too. <laughs> if I had a mic in front of me, as, as would I. But opera singing is not you don't get that opera. You have to be on point pretty much all the time. Um, you know, I think the audience might forgive a mistake here or there, but, you know, you don't have that. I hate to call it a crutch because it's not, but you don't have that added um, microphone or soundboard or auto tune. Well, you, amplification <laughs> you is the, the, the best word, like you were saying earlier, amplification. So, yeah. I mean, we have, you know, opera singers have to learn how to project above an orchestra because that's, you know, that's generally what they're singing with. Um, and that can be really challenging because those horns are loud. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Always, no, there could be two and, <laughs> and there's going to be too loud. Yeah. Um, no offense to horns. Um, I love horns. But, you know, that <laughs> we have been here offending horns and everybody. Uh, trombone's my favorite instrument. No, I'm kidding. Um, we don't press the buttons enough. I'm telling you. I don't have my cheat sheet. You know, there are trade wars everywhere. Um, construction has trade wars where you got the plumbers and talk shit about the painters and framers. And the, the trade wars also exist in music. You know, drummers aren't musicians. They just, you know, keep everybody in check. And you got, you know, opera singers. And those, I love those things. We know, we don't talk about that either. I think I think we need a couple more seasons the to really dig in. that we place upon. All right, let on, me take on up each for other. orchestras for a second. Let me take up for orchestra players because you're gonna take up or take off I'm a, no i'm gonna take up because 
I'm down for whatever. <laughs> because you have to be able to learn to work with a singer in the orchestra, right? Like, if you're too damn loud, you got to tone it down. Um, oh, that's I mean, not just the <laughs> opera. Like, we can talk about working with singers. That's what I'm saying. So, like, you know, I think... The best orchestra musicians for opera, they know how to work with singers and they know what they need to do in order to make the singers. It has to be a synergy. Uh, yep. <laughs> it has to be synergy. If you're yeah. too damn loud, it, it, you got to tone it down. And a lot of times, you <laughs> quote, a lot of times as a group, you have to decide on what is the feature and what is being supported. And a lot of people don't like to talk about that. And, yeah. and you, know, it, it, you know, if the vocalist is... Because vocals aren't always the feature. Vocals right. can be background. And this is it, it's not personal by any means. You decide what's being featured and what's not being featured. And how can the supportive elements be better at supporting? And how can the feature be better at being featured? And this is, this is you have to interweave that stuff on an artistic level. And that's, that's the fun of it all. I think yeah. that's why we do it. We are trying to figure out these problems. You have to definitely, you know, with singers um, and opera... You know, we talk about singers because that's kind of the main focus of opera. But you would have nothing if you didn't have the orchestration. And and a lot of times orchestration in opera paints the picture for what's happening on stage. So it very much is this, you know, very symbiotic relationship. Yeah. I mean, you feel the the feelings that are being portrayed musically and uh, and vocally. Um, And that's that's what I love about music personally is is the feeling behind it and so but you guys amplify it in a way that i i don't i i can't explain because i i, I don't i don't know much about it <laughs> so but i'm just hearing you talk about it and i'm like i want to know more like and but i think that's the thing is you don't have to you know what i yeah. mean like if you enjoy something you don't have to be an expert on it yeah i mean you just enjoy it for what it is and you know i think you can do you can do that with opera. You don't have to be some scholar about it to enjoy an opera performance. I mean, it's theater, it's drama, it's it's great singing. It's all of the things that you're used to seeing in other areas. So, so. you said you you are still performing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh do you like being a director? <laughs> well, I so I don't I'm not a stage director. I don't direct Sure, but the you're operas. director of opera. Yes. So um, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I, <laughs> so what, there's been so many times you, that I'm like, I should not be doing So what made this. you transition to that? Well, I, you know, it was actually kind of like serendipitous. Yeah. So I was singing for the opera first at Opera Roanoke. They gave me my first professional role. I was a little opera, baby opera singer. Um, and then a few years later, you know, still out singing or whatever, but they said, oh, we, we need an artistic assistant like somebody to get coffee cool um (laughs) (laughs) yes i will do that uh we'll pay you $15 an hour yeah um and so so anyway so i started working as an artistic assistant just basically helping out on productions and kind of making sure everything's organized logistics wise and then four years later i became the general director (laughs) just worked my way on up um you know through various circumstances but you know, there are so many parts about the job that are so closely aligned with my personality anyway. I'm very A-type. I'm organized. I'm disciplined. I love problem solving and logistics and project management. Uh, you so guys I'm, have a group? 
kind of in the perfect. She and I. <laughs> yeah, y'all have a group. <laughs> Should we we're start? start? We're starting it. <laughs> we could start one of the best logistics firms. And, yeah, Our spreadsheets will be so organized. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those are my favorite parts about the job. I mean, and I get to do that every day, but also still be creative. And I can't imagine another job where I'd be able to do that same thing at that level. I mean, I'm just where I want to be. How important is being creative to you? <laughs> Very important. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the situation, honestly. I mean, some situations call for like full on boss mode logistics. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and other, you know, there's problems that arise in opera that you wouldn't <laughs> think about. Um, but, and so that, you know, sometimes can can lead to creative moments. Um, and so, I, you know, one of the things that I get to do at the opera that I love is I get to create all of our community programming that we do. And that is like my creative um, outlet. Avenue. Yes. Yeah. And so I love coming up with programs that are kind of unique and that people can, that are kind of genre busting, if you will. Yeah. Um, we did a program this past year a couple of times that was, uh, actually it really focused on black artists in our community. And so we had singing and poetry <laughs> together mm -hmm. in the same program. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was a really awesome way to, uh, kind of introduce people to the genre without it being scary. Um, and we paired it with poetry and we did it at the spot on Kirk, which is a oh, shout gosh. out to the spot on Kirk. Yep. They're, you know, Fantastic they're doing cool things. There. Right. Um, and so the people that came to that, a lot of them had no idea who opera Roanoke was, um, but came to it because it looked like it would be a cool, fun event. And so it was, those are the events that I really actually love. How do you feel as we as a community respond to you guys? Are we, are we doing a good job or can we do better? Uh, I'm not asking you to like Thursday. She's laughing. Yeah, when, when you ask <laughs> guests questions and they like, laugh. they belly laugh. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Well, that I, one. I don't need to go over why we're doing it. We know why we're doing it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question. Honestly. I mean, uh, honestly, in, in a non-offensive way, what can uh, we do better? Know. Cause you I know, mean, hopefully people are learning more about opera Roanoke and, and when's this aired June 20th in the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, all right. So my biggest soapbox in opera is you better get on a soapbox right now. I am on it so hard. Um, this is your platform. Do it. Yeah. Safe. I, I is my personal mission in life Oof. to dismantle elitism in opera. And, um, if anybody, I think if anybody can do it, I can do it. Cause I'm, totally yeah, me too. <laughs> me totally, too. I don't I really totally know, but I'm like, here for it. I am unsophisticated, uncool. Like, you know, I, I know a lot about opera and I love the art form, but I don't have the mindset that it's more elite than any other art form. I think it's just something, it's just another art form that can be enjoyed. Do you think it's seen as that? Yes. Outside looking Because in? of its rich, yes. like, because of its rich history, like when I mean rich, like, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, yes, opera has uh, this 
you know, perception that it's for wealthy white people. I mean, it's, it's how Batman's parents, Batman's parents died right after the opera. I mean, so <laughs> how are you going to be saying Batman? <laughs> So, so telling. So, so uppity, hoity-toity. Yes. I mean, Snotty even. That's, it's rich white people, so I was just... I was, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's I'm exactly here. what right. it and is. And she was, like, clutching her pearls. Yeah, and, you know. I know. Um, oh, God. They got ripped off, right? <laughs> but I think that's so not what it's about. That's so not what it's about. I mean, it's, it's just storytelling in a way that is different than other storytelling. All music is storytelling. Hmm. Well, it, and it, it um, in effect, it preceded lots of modern versions of storytelling, did it not? A hundred percent. You did. better get to my flow. A hundred percent, it did. Well, I think that you know that's part of the reason that it was. It's team seen as opera. Elite. Uh, no, absolutely. But I think it it goes like you said. It's gone. In, it's in this part of the genre of of classical music, and we have such a. Uh, strong misunderstanding for classical music and even with jazz nowadays i think that that we have a misconception and i'm not talking about us musicians but like i'm talking about general population we just don't it's just not understood because it's it's the past right yeah i mean well and i don't know opera composers you know sometimes they're writing for royalty and you know the royalty was were the people who were funding what that's they were the doing that's just um it's like grant writing <laughs> Don't even so get Reginald. me started. I that I that's exactly what I want to it's do. Whole, can we write a can we do a whole podcast on grant writing? We can do all kinds of we do um, podcasts every week. <laughs> <laughs> that's a topic. But I think oh gosh, I just feel like it has these misconceptions of being for rich white people. And it's really it's it was never for specifically them it just happened to be funded a lot of times by rich white people no i know and (laughs) and like you know we're a nonprofit, so we do rely on funding um but everybody can relate to opera in some way i mean you all everybody has a story Mm -hmm. everybody has felt a certain way at a certain time in their life um a lot of times when you go to see an opera it can because it's the emotions are so heightened it can kind of bring that out in yourself Mm -hmm. um you know and i think that's that's really what it's about it's not you know it's nothing more than this oh my gosh i hate to say this but it's a it's a gorgeous art form with beautiful singing and beautiful orchestral playing and all of that. But it's, it's no better than any other art form. I just feel passionately that this art form is underrated (laughs) Mm. and people can relate to it more than they think they can, even if it's in a foreign language, right? To you for articulating it in a way to where we can all generally understand that like, Hey, we need to get off the couch and go, go check out something other than what we we what typically enjoy, yeah. yes. You said uh, underrated, and I, it's not. People are scared of it <laughs> because it's not under. People know how difficult that is. Even if you know nothing about music, you know that's some next level ish. It's it's underrelated. It is underrelated. Yeah. And people don't necessarily relate to it, and you do, and that's seems to be um, 
what I'm what I'm picking up from you at this point. There, anybody can can get something from from going to the opera, and, and you know, even musicians musicians that would totally appreciate it don't go out of their way to see the opera. Maybe you should. You might learn something. Well, uh, that's I think that kind of goes back to like you know how we are in the community and how we receive information, right? So like even if you're a musician. You're really uh, invested in what you're doing or what your close friends are doing. You know, I mean, even myself, like it's hard for me to make it out to other things because I'm so involved in what I'm what I'm focusing on. Absolutely. That I think it's hard to get out and just experience new things. And you really do have to be you know, you kind of have to be adamant with yourself about doing that if you really do want to expand your mind about, you know, the other art forms that are available to you, um, which I think can also be inspiring in your own work. So, you know, and then sometimes I think it's a, people, they see the language barrier, like not all, obviously a lot of the best operas are in a foreign language. Um, but, you know, opera, some people don't know this, but opera, all, opera Roanoke always, projects um the translations above the stage so what yes so anytime (laughs) (laughs) come on man um so you know we have the english if it's in a foreign language we have the english translation running across the stage and what i tell everybody is it takes longer to sing about dying than it does to read about it (laughs) (laughs) that makes so much sense Mind blown, right? Mind blown. I feel like I have the Muppet smile. I know. <laughs> it's so, true. Usually dying in opera takes at least a good 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean. yeah. Um, I, there are so many things on my mind here. Um, I don't want to play like I'm an, I'm an avid opera listener. I am not. I do love classical music. Um, uh, there's, there's so much to unpack with what you said. What I really love is knowing your local audience and if by local it could be a um three hours from here you know who might come see the opera we don't know but it is a hundred percent worthwhile to to have the english translation at the performance there's a lot of people that hear well we can step outside this 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 music paradigm for a moment there's a lot of people that hear a foreign language and immediately shut down mm-hmm. they don't even attempt to understand what someone is saying and that that could be from english to spanish which isn't that difficult right so uh, a lot of operas are italian Mm -hmm. is that correct yes okay italian german and french are the main the three main opera languages as soon as they hear those words they shut down because they don't understand them understandably so but i think people fall into that pit way too quickly you can actually experience the singing in and of itself the melody in and of itself and the what the, the staging um and get something yeah. from it, but people people shut down in, in this area if they're unfamiliar. I just like that you're giving an accommodation to to the general public, and it's but a lot of times they don't need it. You know what I no. mean? They don't. They think they do, but then they come into the theater, and you're you're literally you're watching a theater performance unfold on stage. Yeah. Like even if it's in a foreign language, a lot of times you know what's going on. I mean, you know, and and for me, I think the language actually enhances the emotion so you know opera you know italian language is kind of like the precipice of opera and it wouldn't be the same i mean there are many operas in english but i think a lot of the operas in english also have a very distinct sound that are not like the the, like the operas in italian so 
you know, I, I think the language actually enhances the emotion and enhances the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think you just have to, I'm, I'm not fluent in any of those languages. Um, I've spent a lot of time learning how to sing in those languages, but I couldn't have a conversation with you in that language. Um, but I think, you know, you can reference the translation if you want to, but a lot of times you don't, you really don't even have to. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a whole nother bag of worms, like <laughs> learning learning another language, but having to sing that language in, in whatever key you're singing it into. So I just, it just blows my mind, again, how much work and how many different variables play into the roles that we have in our music scenes. And uh, I mean, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for this Valley and for um, just, just making opera accessible for for the general public so really 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 cool so i like i like to end my portion of the show with a question about um i'm just getting started finances <laughs> finances <laughs> so i want i want i <laughs> yeah we got another four hours left you're you're you're, you're in for a treat um to, to talk talk about what singers and what you used to to make if you're comfortable with that on the when you when you traveled and is it is it is our company here comparable to other big companies? I mean, I we're I, not I, we're not looking for specific. Yeah, numbers. I'm not. There's <laughs> a certain level of respect we hear Absol we have here at BBB. Absolutely, but like, but we're also trying to encourage anyone that may have felt like you when they were young and they fell in love with opera music or whatever the case may be. We're can, trying to encourage can I, those. Can things. I can I become an opera singer and have a living here in Roanoke? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh wow! Just make it hard. Well, I mean, okay, so you can become a bartender and make this margarita. These are off the hook. Continue on. I apologize. Yeah, if you don't make it as an opera singer, you can just be a bartender. Um, Thank you. A lot of opera singers are bartenders. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, dualness with jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot. Okay, the thing with opera singers is they're usually not in one place. Right, they travel around to different gigs because there's not ten opera companies here in Roanoke yeah. that I can just bounce around to. Um, you've got to go where the work is. So, you know, can I make a living as an opera singer and be based in Roanoke? Yes. Okay. But I would need to travel to other places to to make it an actual salary. You know what I mean? And you know, I think the thing is, is a lot. Opera, opera is competitive and it's, it's hard and it's not a big, it's not a huge industry. So, you know, it's even more competitive, but I think there are some, you know, top 25% of opera singers that, yeah, they make a really good living. Um, but most of the opera singers that are singing professionally, they have, you know, five or six gigs a year and they might make as much as a teacher makes. You okay. know, um, so it's, it's definitely not a business where I think it's like any music business, right? Like you, you've got the ones at the top that are making tons and tons of money. Um, and then you've got the ones that are in the middle and they maybe make a full salary off that. Maybe sure. not. Maybe they supplement it with something else. I mean, many opera singers, you know, supplement their income. It's a serious gap though, you'd mm -hmm. say from, from the upper echelon. Yes, just like in any. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's opera celebrities, if you will, that make you know. Do you call them opera celebrities? <laughs> Is that no, just but me? Maybe we should. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. No, I get that. Teacher by day, that. musician by night. But yeah. I choose to only play two twice a month. You know, 
be having a family and stuff like that. That's my choice, you know. Like, I I completely get that, but it's it is nice supplemental income for me it, being able to do that. And you know, I asked that question to see if it, if I want to jump ship and do an opera. <laughs> I want to see you jump ship and do an opera. All right, let's have your verse voice lesson right now. Um, oh shit! <laughs> I, that's you just, say, "Oh shit, dude!" I got no, scared Schmitt, real quick. Like, I'm not ready. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible to make a living as an opera singer, but there, you're right that there is a gap between the the people at the top and the people in the middle, and that doesn't mean, and honestly, it doesn't mean that any of the people at the top are necessarily better than the ones in the well, middle. I know yeah. that. We uh, can talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's how much are you willing to work and sacrifice to make it happen? And I will be honest and say to make it in the opera business, you have to sacrifice just about everything. Mm. I no. mean. No, thanks for sharing I mean, that. don't sacrifice your values and your viewpoints and, and things like that, but you well, may do be that when you're younger. Yeah, right. Before, <laughs> before you've decided on all of that stuff. Um <laughs> You know, don't sacrifice your family. But I, you know, I know that men, there there are many opera singers out there who don't have kids because they would have no time for that, and they've they've chosen to go after that part of their life, um, yeah. you know, more than anything else. And that's okay. It's just what whatever you feel is best for you is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing your story and um, like again doing what you're doing here because I think it's really great, and uh, I I plan to support it asap. <laughs> Welcome to the point where uh, it's called the Bunny Gauntlet. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on. I'm glad to be on. And being candid. Um, I've had a really great time tonight. This has been fantastic. I don't know any other way to be. Um, me either. <laughs> that usually gets me in trouble a lot. But <laughs> no, it's it's been really fun. Um, truly, I truly mean that. <sighs> Who's your top musical influence? Oh my gosh! Yes, one win. Top musical influence? Oh, oh gosh, that's really difficult. That's why we asked. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't, I didn't prep you on these on purpose. That's so. cool. Um, it's called the gauntlet. I'm not sure who my top music. <laughs> Why are we whispering? I feel like I'm already losing at this game. Yeah, no. Uh, no one, no one wins. At- no one uh, wins. That's not true. Some people give this answer right away. Most people struggle and want to give seven answers, and that's the whole point. Adam Rutledge won at this game. He's the only person I could say that actually won at this game. Okay. Yeah. I did not ask for this game. I know you did. <laughs> Fair no, enough. Okay, so I will tell you my favorite opera singer. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily my, you know, well, that's, ultimate that's musical the, the guru question, genre. I'll repeat. Top musical influence. <laughs> oh, what am I talking about? I See, know who it is. It's my teacher. Who's your teacher? <laughs> um, I have the most amazing voice teacher. Um, she she doesn't live here in Roanoke anymore. She lives in Florida. Um, but I, I will say that and we don't work together as much as we used to when she lived here, but she was very instrumental in guiding me into this path and kind of putting me on the right track. Because I will say in college, I was very much like 
what am I doing? <laughs> I didn't know how to sing at all. Um, and I, you know, it was, I felt like it was kind of like floundering around and just trying to make it work. But, you know, when I started working with her and really met somebody who I thought just had like perfect technique. I mean, if I had to identify someone who had perfect technique, it, like in my mind, it's her. Mm -hmm. um, she was just very inspirational for me and also so supportive and encouraging and just caring. And I think you have to have that, especially in opera, because it can get a little, you know, some teachers are, <laughs> <laughs> some teachers are not so supportive and caring and encouraging. And I think, um, you know, that made a big difference for me. And so She's my biggest musical. You want to give her? Can name? we know her name? Because yeah, I, I want to friend her on Facebook. Yeah. The way you're talking about her. Her name is Amy. Hey, Amy. I'm um, gonna be searching for Amy. <laughs> Amy. All your friends. We're gonna friend all your is Amy it, friends. Is that I E or Y? Why? Um, yeah. The only why? way. But I think. <laughs> Miss better have an opinion about somebody <laughs> in their name. You know, I I've always felt. Just I supported do. and loved by her and and just guided in the best way. And honestly, now we're just like great friends. That so, had that shit happens. And that yeah. that feels great. Are you like that within this is not in the buddy gauntlet. Uh, <laughs> are you teaching people that way that you feel like that that relationship might show up in your life? Oh yeah. I mean, you, she's my teaching influence as well. Like okay. you know, I um just the way that she taught me and the techniques that was she, she at Radford used. or Liberty? Neither. Oh, she's <laughs> in Florida. Well, no, she, she was here in Roanoke, so he I don't assume that it he was. He don't even listen. <laughs> <laughs> he don't even show up half the time. I have to. I have to set everything up. I'm so in awe that you were so happy that we're friends after you being my teacher. After that compliment, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Um, she did live in Roanoke, and she actually worked for Opera Roanoke when I first started there, um, and then later on, you know, moved to Florida to be closer to her family. And so, um, yeah, the techniques that she used. With me, I find using with my own students, and um, the one of the great things about her was that if it didn't work right the first time, it, we tried it a different way. <laughs> and yeah. so that's, and I think every, when I'm teaching my students, every single voice is different. Every voice, and every person learns a different way. Every person has a different voice. So, you know, my goal with them is to find their most natural voice production because that's where they're going to shine the most. Um, and that can be, you know, that's a lot of internal work as much as it is external work. So I'm like a little mini therapist. No one's paying me like a therapist. But <laughs> Yo, but if you got, charge as much as a therapist, if, you, if you've got dams to give though, like it's really important to approach each student as an individual, especially in the arts, especially yes. like if they come to you individually. Yeah. I mean, and I actually only teach one-on-one, -on -one, so I don't teach any like group um, classes because I feel like where I'm most helpful is in one-on-one -on -one situations. And because that helps me get to the root of where their natural voice is. Um, right. Right. Sorry, that sounds really like up no. in the clouds, but um, <laughs> yeah, I truly believe that everybody has a very distinct voice and sound. And I also actually believe that really everybody can sing. Um, you know, I have many people come to me and go like, oh, I can't sing. Um, but I, I think everybody can sing. It's just a matter of finding that voice and, and teaching them how to use it. Steve Schmidt, my dad, horrible, but I know he's got a beautiful 
I know it's in there somewhere. Just give him a lesson with me. I'm mm. done. <laughs> Happy mm. Father's Day. <laughs> wow. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that great gift. Uh, I'm, I'm, can I ask the next question? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm having a ball. Please a literal do. ball. Opera people are fun. You guys are. I have no <laughs> doubt. Look, I, I spent a lifetime in, well, a small lifetime in theater, and I was never meant for it. And I was like, wow. People are wild over here. <laughs> 17 years I did that. I'm like, y'all, y'all crazy. We're known to get, you know, opera people party pretty hard. Opera party. Opera party. Uh, um, <laughs> top non-musical influence. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And the next one I didn't write. I didn't know Travis started writing the Buddy Gauntlet, but I guess that's what oh we're working gosh. with today. Top non-musical influence? <laughs> like, oh, my life revolves around music. Like, I don't even. Um... I mean, that's another angle. That's another angle. Can I say you? This say is whatever you want. This is up to you. Can I say a hobby instead of a person? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Reading books. Oh, you that can, is you like, can read. I, we do read a few things. Yes, um, no, I have no doubt. And in different languages. <laughs> yeah, but I'm more. Not, <laughs> I apologize. It's not. Uh, we do read other things other than music. Uh, you know. Um, but I, you know, I will say that if I if I did one other thing outside of music, because there's not a lot that I do outside of music, um, is do people give you I shit read, for that? Well, let's take another break. Ferociously, <laughs> they give you ferocious shit. No, <laughs> I read ferociously. I consume oh. lots. But of no, books. I'm talking about because you are so consumed with mm. music. Do you have to answer for that? It could be to myself, yes. Friends and family. Okay, all right. Not not to friends and family. No, my my friends and family are you know they're always very supportive, and again that you know they can be, and because they're on sort of the outside of that, and they see you know what happens on stage, and you know they come to performances and things like that. So, th- but it's it's actually me that is the I'm most harsh on myself for. Yeah. You know, I think when you're, well, let's get on the therapist couch here. Um, I need to make an appointment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know, I'm a behavioral therapist, right? Oh, right. Okay. Okay. This is good. This is good. But you're you're behaving. So I think you need a different kind. Well, um, I think you need a proper. Yeah. I think. Here, hmm. drink that. I don't want it. I want to give it to her. She, she, you good? Yeah, I'm good. When we're you only had that one, it was delicious. It was tall though, right? Yeah, I mean, right. I'm trying to keep it together for you guys. I'm not criticizing. <laughs> I'm questioning. I, I want to know because that means I've had four. Oh well, that's fine. Um, I think <laughs> that people involved in music that are heavily involved in music are always having a crisis, a crisis of conscience because, it, I mean, right? Like. It's a hard business to be in. You're no matter what music thing you're doing, you are constantly subjecting yourself to rejection. Yeah. Over and over and over. It's like how much can yeah. one person take? Yeah. I um, love to suffer. I love suffering. Right. And we have to start to love it. And you know, it's it's the music that keeps me going, but there are definitely times in my life where I've been like why am I doing this to myself? Mm. <laughs> like, it should not be this hard. I should not be this, you know, feeling this bad about myself all the time. But that's generally when I try to just return to music that I like 
and sing things that I like to sing mm-hmm. and sort of remind myself like, oh, this feels good. This is why I like doing this. I like telling these stories. And, um, you know, because, oh, gosh, music is hard and you are constantly being I think, rejected. I mean, but you're singing right now. Play, play the therapist here. My, my homie's just singing. Play, play the, the therapist. Get her one more drink. <laughs> and we're going to hear Opera Romano tonight. <laughs> you go ahead and therapize. Therapize. Uh, I really think that if our audience starts to understand that perception you just gave of understanding all the work that we go into, that goes into it all, that the pressure that we feel on ourselves will start to to mitigate a little bit. I really do. Do you have to know why you're doing it? Yeah. And always come back. Well, I think the ego is always going to be there. Uh, Oh yeah. Ego is always going to be there. It sucks to be rejected. Yeah, absolutely. But I think if the more we feel supported and the more we feel understood, the ego gets smaller. Yeah. I mean, you have to have, you know, I've always (laughs) had supportive people (laughs) in my corner, teachers, other musicians, things like that, that, that have supported me and, you know, um, encourage my work, but yeah, but you always have to find that within yourself as well. I mean, I could make that same argument for haters. You can, you get this people just hating (laughs) like, like that fire turn you into a rocket son. Last question. What's your worst experience on stage? I didn't write that. Travis wrote that. He put that in. Actually, that's the one I can answer most easily. Um, Okay. Because it's still like seared into my mind as like something that'll never go away. As a young artist, um, this was just a few years ago because I'm still really young. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so I was performing as part of uh, a, a program and this really like amazing aria aria for people that don't know is uh, just a standalone I know what Song that is. Like, yeah, she looked okay. directly. <laughs> she looked directly at me, and I was like, "I don't know what it is." I know it's <laughs> the only thing I know. Yeah, it's okay. Sometimes I have to the define rest, the terms. The rest of the night has been Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm getting up and I'm singing this like super amazing, like fiery aria with all of these like high notes and like fireworks and all of this stuff, and I l- like I'm loving every minute of it, but the. The thing of it is, and this go, this actually um, is, is from the Magic Flute, opera, the Magic Flute. That's my and I know, right? And the Queen of the Night is a very, um, she's a real bitch. Um, I don't know if you can like. Put <laughs> you ain't got to tell me twice. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so uh, and she, and she's a she's a mom, and she's trying to basically get her daughter to um, kill someone on her behalf. <laughs> get, get right, girl. <laughs> what, what can I say? Uh, I told you Jesus. opera was crazy. Um, and someone, and I'm, I'm acting this scene out as the queen of the night, and the daughter is like also in the scene. And it, although she doesn't sing anything. Someone hands me a prop on stage that I had never used prior to um, was that just- time. Rule number one, never use a prop that you've never used before in rehearsal. Like, I was young. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. What, what was the prop? Like, a small dagger. Uh, <laughs> Got your little knife. Gonna cut you. Basically, yes. Okay, so, and this was a very, like, Gonna, avant- s- gonna stick you. <laughs> cut. Um, this is a very avant-garde, pr- like, production. So, um, my... <laughs> jaw was like on these really like fiery parts was 
the daughter is holding up this balloon and I am supposed to like stab this balloon basically and it you know pops or whatever and ah um scary (laughs) (laughs) but actually what happens instead is I get so into the scene that I stab the balloon but go all the way through the balloon into her hand and she starts bleeding on stage and that is my most disastrous moment because not only because Not only because I did that thing and I was immediately like traumatized. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. She was really mad at me afterwards. And <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't this whole thing of like, oh, don't, you know, don't worry about it. That thing happened, you know, that happens sometimes. All the time. All the time. She was legit upset. And I was like I mean, you stabbed her. <laughs> but I know. I know you didn't mean but- to with the prop knife. I, I know you didn't mean to. But it was it was sort of you like a real night. It wasn't one of those retractable. I feel ones. like this was planned out where somebody like wanted you to. You stab think somebody? Her. Yeah, like, yeah. Did, it was did, like stage out. left was like, oh, hey, oh God, I got gonna, this. I told you, opera was cutthroat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was my most like. I, I've, I'm always now very careful about props. <laughs> yeah, you're that you're that you're that uber serious performer. And you're 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 triple checking props, and the stage hands are like, oh, here, here she comes. Basically, like yeah. we do anything weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I feel you. Yeah. So embarrassing moment. Oh, well, don't cut anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Food for thought, right? Well, Brooke, I try not to. Thank you so much for being on Beats, Brews, and Buddies with us. We've had a blast. Thank so. you. Me too. Uh, are we going to play a song here at the end? Uh, you, okay. So. Oh, lady, that, man, that, 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 yes. She is. She's she like, yeah, so. you're going to hear this. Uh, you want to introduce it? So, um, no. All right. So, <laughs> Don't need ladies to. and gentlemen, no introduction. this has been Mids, and my dog is barking, mid-season of Beats, Brews, and Buddies, season two. They wouldn't have heard that. Thank you for, uh. Thank you, Brooke. Brooke, it's really good to meet you. It's even better to meet you in this circumstance. Thank you for doing what you do. And thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Y'all come see the opera. Yeah. Tickets. We we will. Peace out. (laughs) I tell you, I touch the stuff no more. I'll find a man both rich and clever. 